Our hymn is number 16, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the hymn of the day used on Reformation, but for Septuagesima, which is the Sunday we have coming up. Uh, the author is Paul Sparatus. Um, normally, he's just listed as poet. And that's about it. Um, I looked up just a little bit, and once again, there's always an interesting story uh, to it. Born in 1484, after spending quite some time in Paris and at various Italian universities studying the humanities in 1518, he became a preacher at Dinkelsbühl, Bavaria, where he avidly read some of Luther's early writings. In the following two years, he served as preacher at Würzburg and Salzburg, but in each place he was forced to leave for openly expressing his evangelical views. Shaking the dust from his feet, so he wrote, he married Anna, thus becoming one of the first priests to break the vow of celibacy. He set out for Vienna, where he lived as a private individual, earned his Doctor of Theology degree. In a sermon based on Romans 12, preached on the first Sunday after Epiphany in 1522, he defended and praised marriage and courageously and joyfully expounded the doctrine of justification by faith. That was at the very time when Luther's books were being burned in Vienna. It caused the theological faculty at the University of Vienna to brand him as a heretic. He was forced to leave Vienna. He spent a brief period in Ofen, where the Reformation had taken root. From there, he was invited by the abbot of a Dominican cloister in Iglau, Moravia, became preacher at the cloister church. King Ludwig, however, summoned him to Olmutz, where in 1523 he was imprisoned on bread and water for 12 weeks even threatened with death by fire. Finally freed from the good offices of Duke Albrecht of Prussia and Queen Maria of Hungary, and he went to Wittenberg toward the close of 1523. Here, among other things, he helped Luther to write the so-called Achtliederbuch, Eight Song Book. And that's what uh, this particular hymn is, the second in that Achilleter book. Uh, there was only eight uh, hymns in it. Uh, the first one is uh, Luther's Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. The second one is Salvation Unto Us Has Come. He also translated Luther's uh, Latin Mass into German. Uh, a couple other things he did. He became court preacher. He drew up the Kirchenordnung, uh, the rules, the liturgy and rules for the church governance of Prussia. Uh, finally, in 1530, date of the Augsburg Confession, he assumed the bishop's office in Pomerania uh, and served there until his death, 1551. Uh, you can see he was right on the beginning of the Reformation, getting Luther's early writings already before even uh, the uh, the door of uh, the 95 Theses and, and all. And by 1530, you know, he's helped, 1523, he's helping Luther. Um, this hymn, along with Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, uh, wonderful hymn presenting uh, justification by grace through faith. Uh, the title under in the Achleter book was A Hymn of Law and Faith, powerfully underlined with God's Word. All right, uh, the original has 14 stanzas. This one has 10. Uh, LW had 4 or 5, I don't know. Um, uh, TLH has 10, but not the same ones. Let's take a look at what we have. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. 
Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone. Who did for all the world atone. He is the mediator. And so, right at the very beginning, telling us about salvation, it's by grace, it's by God's favor, it's not by merits. Uh, good works, uh, they don't, as it says, avert our doom. They can't keep us from uh, what we deserve, uh, death, uh, according to the law, help and save us nether. So what does faith do? Well, Jesus atoned for the world. We talk about the atonement, it is always what he did for the world. Uh, he is the mediator. Stanza two. What God did in his law demand, no man to him can render. What God does in his law demand, no man to him can render. And so he draws his flaming brand to punish the offender. So we have God, his law demands, we can't do it. He is going to punish, he's going to uh, uh, apply the flaming brand uh, to us. Our flesh has not those pure desires. Our flesh has not those pure desires. So uh, Sparatus is going to lead us right back to where does the law point? Not simply to outward external works but to the pure desires. The law demands not just outward obedience, but the pure desires that come from inside, which first of all the law requires. So once again, we've got our faith has not those pure desires, which first of all the law requires. And lastly, we are in condemnation. Stanza three, it was a false, misleading dream that God his law had given. It was a false, misleading dream that God his law had given. For us to keep and merit claim and earn our way to heaven. For us to keep and merit claim and earn our way to heaven. God's law is but a mirror bright. What use of the law is that? It always shows our sins. Curb, mirror, and guide. So, second use of the law. Uh, and we always say that no matter what it is, it always accuses us. It shows us our sins. And so, uh, um, this law was intended to be a mirror. It was not intended to give us this dream of being able to keep it. No. Uh, so, God's law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to sight that lurks within our nature. So, it's going to show us by our failure that we don't have those inward desires. We have a sinful uh, nature. All right, four. By our own strength to put aside God's wrath and win his blessing. Is useless task by many tried is only guilt increasing. Yeah, I don't know about the poetry, the the rhyming kind of uh, goes away, but it's definitely uh, uh, continuing to teach us. Uh, yes, um, our our own strength can't set aside God's wrath. It can't win the blessings. In fact, the more we try, the more it will show us that we have not. For God, hypocrisy abhors. For God, hypocrisy abhors. Flesh with the spirit ever wars. For tis by nature evil. So we learn what the uh, law does. So, number one, which told us salvation by grace through faith, pretty well stances two through four are an exposition of the law. The law teaching us what it demands, teaching us what uh, it is to be a mirror uh, to show us. 
and that even our efforts are going to make things worse, not, not better. Why? Flesh struggling against the Spirit. Uh, stanzas 5, 6, and 7 then are kind of the answer, the gospel answer to uh, the law. And yet the law fulfilled must be, or we were lost forever. Therefore God sent his Son that he might us from death deliver. Therefore God sent his Son that he might us from death deliver. And so, to fulfill the law, yeah, we need Jesus. His Son is going to come and to fulfill it. He all the law for us fulfilled. He all the law for us fulfilled. And thus his Father's anger stilled. Which o'er us, which over us impended. Which over us impended. So we have uh, him fulfilling the law uh, for us. Stanza six speaks of the atonement. Since Christ hath full atonement made and brought to us salvation. Since Christ hath full atonement made and brought to us salvation. Each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Thy grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Thy grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Thy death, my life, now is indeed. Thy death, my life, is now indeed. For thou hast paid my ransom. So the atonement, as it speaks of it here, speaks of his death for us that gives us uh, life. His ransoming, you might say, or his uh, buying us back. Number seven. Not doubting this, I trust in thee, thy word cannot be broken. Not doubting this, I trust in thee, thy word cannot be broken. Thou all dost Call, come unto me, no falsehood hast thou spoken. Thou all dost call, come unto me, no falsehood hast thou spoken. So when in the law we see that it's intended to be a mirror, we see that the gospel, with stanza seven, five is keeping the law, six is the atonement, is death. Uh, with the seven, we see that it is a promise of the word that is inviting, a calling, a promise of grace. Uh, and uh, it is true, we ought to listen to it, and, as it says, He that believes and is baptized, He shall be saved, sayest thou, O Christ, and he shall never perish. And so we see that belief or faith, that is the way that the gospel is to be re- received. It is a, uh, a sincere uh, invitation of God, a sincere promise of God to take away our sins, and in his promise and word cannot uh, be broken. Stanza number eight, we're going to talk about the fruits of faith. Having been saved, having come to faith, uh, what will come forth? He's just, and that would be before, he's just for God and he alone. He's just for God and he alone. Who by this faith is living. Who by this faith is living. So if we live by faith, that is, if faith is the thing that uh, uh, calls forth for us, this faith will by good works be known to God the glory giving. So, what happens? Uh, when we believe, when we have faith, and thus we trust in Christ, it will be a living faith. A living faith that uh, uh, will be known by uh, the good works, which give glory to God. Uh, because the old sinful nature calls forth that which is evil. When there is a change, uh, the Lord is going to bring forth the fruits of faith. Faith gives thee peace with God above. That's what faith does. But thou, thy neighbor, too, wilt love. But thou, thy neighbor, too, wilt love. 
If thou art a new creature, if thou art a new creature. So um, we don't trust him to love, but it will show forth in love towards our neighbor. The faith gives us peace, but having had peace, we'll love our neighbor as a as a new creature. Stanza 9 contrasts those two of law and gospel. The law reveals the guilt of sin. The law reveals the guilt of sin. And makes man conscious stricken. And makes man conscious stricken. The gospel then doth enter in the sinful soul to quicken. So having pricked our conscience, now it brings us to life. The gospel does. The law uh, strikes our conscience. Come to the cross, trust Christ and live. Come to the cross, trust Christ and live. The law to you no peace can give. The law to you no peace can give. With all its good endeavors. So it contrasts the law with the cross. Uh, that is, that would be the gospel, the good news. Um, stands a ten. Uh, return to that uh, fruits of faith, or, or explaining of, uh, about that. From faith in Christ, when heir tis right. Good works are surely flowing. The faith is dead that shuns the light, no good works ever showing. So, when it is a, a true faith, a faith in Christ, it will, it will flow. That's what it does. Uh, when the faith is dead, what does it do? Uh, it does not. In fact, it, it runs away from the light of the word, from, from the truth, and, and does not show itself. By faith alone the just shall live. By faith alone the just shall live. Good works alone the proof can give. Good works alone the proof can give. Of love which true faith worketh. And so it shows that it's uh, good works are only worked by faith. They can't be worked by anything else. Um, all right, so as I said, uh, various ones have various uh, stanzas. Um, Lutheran worship had five, I think. TLH had ten, uh, although they combined some of them. Uh, it took me a little bit. I did find, uh, not a German, actually found an English one. Uh, that was the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary, uh, which was published in 1996, actually, a pretty good uh, hymnal. They actually go ahead and have all four stanzas. So, having uh, come to that last part where it kind of contrasts law and gospel as well as speaks about the fruits of faith, here's the next kind of four stanzas. I'll comment as we kind of go, but I just want to read it through. Stanza 11. Hope waits for the accepted hour till God give joy for mourning when he displays his pleasing power. Thy sighs to songs are turning. Thy needs are known unto thy Lord and he is faithful to his word. This is our hope's foundation. So it begins to speak of that hope, and it speaks of the uh, uh, the trouble, the wants, uh, the uh, uh, the mourning that will turn to joy, uh, the sighs that will go to songs. And so, uh, stanza twelve: Though it may seem he hears thee not, count not thyself forsaken. Thy wants are ne'er by him forgot. Let this thy hope awaken. His word is sure, here is thy stay. Though doubts may plague thee on thy way, let not thy faith be shaken. So the idea that when these sufferings and trials and sighs come, don't feel that the Lord is not listening, uh, doesn't hear you, uh, but instead know that uh, he does. Thirteen. 
All blessing, honor, thanks, and praise to Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who saved us by His grace, all glory to His merit. O Father, in the heavens above, Thy work begun performs Thy love. Thy worthy name be hallowed. It starts with a doxology, but this isn't the last stanza, which is kind of a little... I'm pretty sure we'd all start standing up, you know, one stanza before you get to the end, and then realize that the last stanza isn't a doxological stanza either. But um, it, it gives all blessing. It says the one who has saved us, that we give all glory to him. But note, it says about the Father in the heavens above that he has done this. And then it talks about uh, the worthy name being hallowed. Last stanza. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Can you see already stanza three had the first parts of the Lord's Prayer, and now he's bringing in the last part. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as tis in heaven. Keep us in life by grace led on, forgiving and forgiven. Save thou us in temptation's hour and from all ills, Thine is the power and all the glory. Amen. Um, the, uh, that, that last two stanzas, putting together the, uh, the Lord's Prayer and, and seeing that you know, what we pray for in that is exactly what God is doing with us through law and gospel, through faith and the fruits of faith, uh, all of these things, as well as those two before that talk about the, uh, uh, the trials all that come and that God listens to us and then hears our prayer uh, is 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 quite beautiful. All right, uh, that is our hymn. Uh, we'll sing that. It's familiar. We'll sing that uh, when it gets to the point in the catechesis. Uh, if you want to get your book out, we'll be taking a look at the Office of the Keys for this evening. Uh, the Office of the Keys begin on page 21 in that booklet, the small catechism booklet. The Office of the Keys, it says, As the head of the family should teach it in all simplicity to his household. And then we've got three questions. What is the Office of the Keys? Answer. Say with me. It is the peculiar church power which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of penitent sinners unto them, but to retain the sins of the impenitent as long as they do not repent. So, office of the keys, the office. Uh, This is the, the job. And what kind of job is this? The one that has been given the keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that is to unlock the door to tell people they are forgiven, they are welcomed into heaven, uh, to lock the gates of heaven, to say, no, your sins cling to you, you are not forgiven, uh, you are uh, turned away from heaven. It is the pastoral office. It's the office that the prophets were in, the apostles were in, pastors are in. Uh, as we go through the book of Concord, it'll talk about bishops and pastors and deacons. He says, you know, by divine right, we all have that office. Now, granted, prophets and apostles, maybe evangelists and all that, they have a little different uh, uh, job, but it's simply a matter of, of placement. Um, uh, this is that office. What is it? Well, it says here that it is a peculiar church power. Um, Now, don't get this idea in your mind, oh, the pastors, they're the church, we ought to just kind of hang around where they are. No, no, no. God has given to his people, to the saints, to the believers, they are his church. What does he do? He calls ministers, he calls men from out of the congregation to be a servant to the others so that they might preach to them, that they might uh, administer the Lord's Supper to them. This in particular, and and, uh, once again, like some of the other things, it's in direct contrast to uh, the way that 
the Roman Church has it so that you always have to be kind of going hat in hand to the Pope to try to get the goodies and to ask him for things. We say, no, this power, this office, this job, it's been given to the church. You have it. What are you to do? You are to call a man and place him in it so that he can give out those gifts. We might have an association with other congregations. We might have a bishop. We might, but they can't say to you, oh no, if you don't do this, I won't give you a pastor. You've got it. It is yours. It is always yours. It has to be yours so that you can receive the gifts that God has. It has been given to his church. It's been given by God to you to forgive the sins of those who are penitent, sorry for their sins, and to retain the sins of those who do not repent, who refuse. Second part, where is this written? Answer, thus writes the Holy Evangelist John chapter 20. At the top of the next page, page 22, read with me. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So, John 20, when our Lord rose from the dead and he comes to the apostles, he institutes uh, the uh, pastoral office and says to them that they are to receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them to give them uh, the Holy Spirit's working, promises that he will be there where they are preaching this word of law and gospel, of retaining sins and of remitting, remitting or, or forgiving sins. Question three. What do you believe according to these words? Answer. Now, repeat after me. I believe, I believe that when the called ministers of Christ, Deal with us by his divine command. Especially when they exclude manifest and impenitent sinners from the Christian congregation. And again, when they absolve those Who repent, of their sins, who repent of their sins and are willing to amend, and are willing to amend. This, is as valid and certain, this is as valid and certain in heaven also, in heaven also as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. So, According to these words, according to John 20, what do we uh, uh, believe? Well, we believe that when those who have been called and ordained, they've been put into the office, when they do as Christ says, it's as if Christ himself were doing it himself. That's the way that he wishes it to happen. Uh, this morning I, I preached on uh, Ezekiel, uh, who had the words, and I myself will go and recall my sheep. I will feed my sheep. I will do it. When the Lord says that, he is speaking about what he is doing through the called ministers, what he is doing through his apostles and then through the pastors and those who follow after in that uh, pastoral office. So uh, that is what this is, is speaking about. Uh, last time we took a look at what is confession, how the unlearned should be taught to confess. There are uh, three uh, questions. What is confession? What do we confess? Uh, which are these? And then after that, page 23, it says, pray, give me a brief form of confession. Uh, and then it gives a brief form of confession that goes from there over to page 24 on over to page 25. Um, it is not one that, that we use in particular word for word, but at least it gives us a, a model of, of 
of how we would use that. Um, kind of gone a little bit longer, so I'm, I'm not going to read it, although it, it, it is quite helpful to see uh, what, what he provides for them. Okay, any questions? Light the candles and we'll begin. Please stand. Open my lips. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, The owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is God's word. Hymn number 16. Salvation unto us has come. We'll chant it or we'll sing it responsively. Uh, I'll have you sing the odd stanzas and I'll sing the even. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot What God did in his lordly man, no man to him can render. And so he draws his flaming brand to punish the offender. Our flesh has not those pure desires which first of all the law requires, we are in condemnation. God's wrath and win his blessing <coughs> is useless task by many tried, it only guilt increasing. For God hypocrisy abhors, flesh with the spirit ever wars. For tis by nature evil. Since Christ hath full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Thy grace alone, dear Lord, I plead, Thy death, my life, now is indeed, for thou hast paid my ransom. Just for God and He alone, who by this faith is living. This faith will by good works be known to God the glory giving. Faith gives the peace with God above. But thou thy neighbor too wilt love, 
If thou art a new creature, Good works are surely flowing. The faith is dead that shuns the light. No good works ever showing. By faith alone the just shall live. Good works alone the proof can give. Of love which true faith worketh. Amen. All right, we begin the Gesema season. We've got three Sundays of uh, that season in which there is a calling out into the Vineyard, there is work to be done, and there is bringing people into the church. And so uh, that 40-day season of Lent, which is kind of a, a boot camp to come into the church, this is that advertisement to uh, bring them in and for us to go out and uh, uh, invite them. Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven... And so we're talking about the church. We're talking about bringing people into Christ's church. Christ's church here on earth is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what does he do? He's going to hire laborers into his vineyard. A vineyard, the Old Testament often describes God's special uh, community as a vineyard and him calling uh, them into the vineyard. It talks about how he built a wall around the vineyard and he took care of the vineyard and you know uh, all kinds of things like that and so uh, for Jesus to speak of God's kingdom in terms of a vineyard would have been quite familiar to to all of them I'm going to jump to the end and we're going to go backwards just a quick overview one people at the beginning are called out they're called out again on the third hour, on the sixth hour, on the ninth hour, and then finally at the eleventh hour, and those get into the vineyard too. They got an you know, hour to work, something like that. Um, and uh, then there is uh, a end of the day, and he's going to he's going to pay them all. Let's go to the end of the story and kind of work backwards. Sixteen. So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. In this particular parable, when he, when he says, this isn't the only place that he says, the last will be first and the first last. But, in this particular story, you actually have, those who are called first <laughs> become, well, what do we mean they become last? And those that are hundred last, I guess the third, sixth, ninth, and eleventh hour, become first. What, what is this first and last stuff? How are they first? Is the problem that they should have slept in and not been there at 6 a.m., should have got there at 9. Then you would not be first. You could get into heaven. Is that the problem? No, they just are, they've been a part of the church for a long time. And I think some of them... So it's better to wait until later in life to come to the church. Before you die. 
But sometimes that's true. And that, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I kind of get it. But the application, though... They don't have to be good for so long. I think that's, I mean, you know, that's the, and yet the ones who have been there longer have all the blessings of having been there all along. I know the application for that time was, well, it's the Jews, the Pharisees. You were, you know, you were the chosen people. So what did they think? They thought just because they were sons of Abraham, then they didn't. Right. The idea is that they think they're, and we would say, the best. Maybe not the fur. But yeah, you got that. Well, I'm the fur, you know. We're the chosen. We're the Jews. We're the best. And that's the way they come at it. And so when they come before God, they, these are the ones who think they're the first, the best. Better than anybody else. Better than anyone else. Right. Um, Holier than that. Whatever you want to say. Absolutely. Right? And then you have the last, the ones who recognize, I'm not worthy. It's going to be a switch. You're right. With this one, we got that. You know, they are hired first. Or maybe it is like the application to, there were Jews and the Gentiles came later. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Now, it's not that all the Jews are not saved and all the Gentiles are. The problem is, is that what? You can be a first Jew or a last Jew. You can be a first Jew and a last. The problem is, so this first and last is about those who think that they are better as opposed to those who recognize. So what are, 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 they, are they getting? Well, well, um, let, let's just say when, when we get to the end, they're, they're in the vineyard and he's giving out a denarius. Everybody gets a denarius. They all get a denarius. Um, what about those first? They say, I should get more. I have to get more. I'm grumbling. Now, we know that a day's wage gets you a day's pay. And a denarius is a day's wage. They work a day. I mean, they get exactly, you know, they, they, he didn't short them at all. Um, everyone else knows that he's giving them more. They didn't work for it. They didn't work. Right. It's a free gift. Right, it's a gift. Some more, some less, some whatever. But when you get to the end, they all realize, no, it's been a, a gift. Um, to what degree or, or, or how? Um, nobody can say, oh, well, he didn't take care of me. You know, um, the, uh, uh, that, so when, when we get to the end. But the ones that are first, and Dan says they grumble, they complain. What does he say to them? What does he say? This is what you agreed to. This is what you said you wanted. Did you not agree? Yep. What else? Take what is yours and go your way. Verse 15. Oh, yeah. I can do what I want with what I've got. It's my gift. It's my gift. I can give this <laughs> You know, whose, whose stuff is it anyway? God goes... It's my stuff. If I want to get, how, you know. But we all, what do we want to do? We want to tell God how to run his kingdom of heaven. Right? Um, we think that we, you know, here's the way it ought to be. You know, and, and not, not only in matters of faith. You know, God says I'm going to give salvation by faith in my son, and how many people come to God and say, well, I think I ought to be able to work for this. 
I think I did it. You know, I've been a good enough friend. You know, and they think that they can work their way to heaven. That's not that. You know, God goes, wait, it's my kingdom. It's my stuff. Who told you? You know, they come up with this. And then, even when it comes to being in the kingdom, those who say, well, I ought to be able to merit my denarius. And, and the Lord says, if I want to give out blessings, I want to give out blessings. And if I want to give out a full day's wage to some of the work for an hour, um, our Lord is gracious. He's loving. He's doing his stuff. And so he says, is your eye evil? What does that mean? What does it mean if you have the evil eye? The they call it the stink eye or something. Yeah, you know. What what is that? Um, It means that I'm I'm looking at you as being evil. Are you looking? Are you giving me that that look that says wait? You're, you're evil if you do it that way. That's what they were doing to God. It's not saying that they were evil, but they were looking at God in a way in which they said, that's not right. They're accusing him of being evil because he's giving out blessings in his church. Um, now, I'm going at it backwards, but we, we being in the kingdom is obviously an invitation by grace. Being in the kingdom is salvation. He is simply calling and inviting and wanting those, everyone to come into his kingdom. He wants them to come into his church. He wants them to be saved. He wants them to come and hear the word and and to receive the sacraments. What do we find? In the kingdom of heaven here on earth that there are hypocrites. What does that mean? They come into his church, but they're not believing. And they hang around with the church for a while, but at the end, there's going to be a separating of the sheep and the goats. There's going to be a separating of the wheats and the weeds, the tares. There's going to be uh, uh, five virgins and five virgins. We're always going to have those who don't have faith. That's what we find about those hired first. Though they were hired, though they came in, when we get to the end, they grumble at the master, and they never were believers. Uh, and so, yes, that's, that's the problem. So, being in the kingdom, being called into it, is like being a part of the church, being saved, but we know that you know, in heaven, everyone there is saved. Here, not everyone is. And so now we begin to find, when we get to the end of the day, judgment day, whatever you might say, when you see those who are grumbling, when you see those who don't like the way the Lord does things, it lets you know that they were doing their own thing in the church. They were not doing what, what, what he desired. <coughs> what is the denarius? It's simply temporal blessings. What do we know? We know that everyone who works in Christ's church, nobody gets shafted. <laughs> everyone that works in Christ's church is blessed above and beyond uh, uh, any work that, that they did for their Lord. Our work that we do is out of love. It's out of thanksgiving. Um, it, it's not to get the blessings. That's not why we, we just want to be where he is. Uh, but he is giving out and he is giving out blessings to, uh, to all. So, uh, kind of going from then uh, uh, the, the end part. Many are called, many are called. He's, he's calling them again and again. He's calling early in the day, and late in the day. He's calling all the time. But there are few that are the elect, that are the chosen. That is, those who are true believers we're going to find that not all who answer that call uh, are actually believers. It should be an encouragement to us to trust, to trust in the goodness of the landowner, not holding him to uh, a law standard, but knowing that it's out of graciousness that he calls us, that it's out of graciousness that he uh, 
blesses us with um, temporal things in this world uh, and that we might be thankful for what he is giving. Questions? All right, get out your responsive prayer for catechesis, your brown sheet. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I will wash my hands in innocence, so will I go about your altar, O Lord. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. In whose hands is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregation I will bless the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. 
Let us pray. O Lord, we implore you favorably to hear the prayers of your people, that we, who are justly punished for our offenses, may be mercifully delivered by your goodness, for the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, who makes the unworthy worthy, sinners righteous, impure pure, work in me true repentance for my sins and misdeeds, for my daily and countless transgressions. Through faith in thy Son, make me worthy to receive the sacrament of thy Son's body and blood for the cleansing of my soul and body of all shame and sin. Through him who offered himself to thee, O God, Father, the perfect propitiatory sacrifice, who is our sinless and our only mediator, through the high priest, Jesus Christ, thy dear Son. Amen. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.